says that God wants to replace a hard heart with a heart of flesh. So what you learn is that if you live in this world long enough, enough things go on that your heart gets trampled down. And the problem with a hard heart is that God's word that God wants to place in your heart is not allowed to take any root to grow at all. Are you here today struggling with hardness of hearts? In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to lay out the various conditions of the heart and how they respond to the Word of God. You might be struggling with hardness of heart and unable to receive the Word of God or to allow it to grow, but you still have nothing to fear because God is in the business of replacing hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. If your heart is hard today, ask Him to give you a new heart that can receive His Word. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Playing Field. Verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. Now, if I'm going to give you the playing field on which life happens in the midst that crossroads happens, we have to start right away with a person's heart. So right here in this parable of the sower, there are four heart conditions There are four heart conditions. Now, the reason I think this is so important is because it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, that we need to keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so your playing field for your life in this world is the condition of your own heart. And we find that there's these four conditions that are described here in this parable. Now, what's interesting about this, and I'm going to give you the four heart conditions because they're important and all of us battle with it. But oftentimes when we hear about this, we think I'm one of these four heart conditions. But what I would tell you is that at any given point in your life, you could be any one of these four heart conditions. And depending on how you're guarding and keeping your own heart, One day you might be one heart condition and another day you might be another. You might have seasons where you can say, I've been in this heart condition for a while, but the ecosystem, so to speak, of your heart changes very rapidly. And you have to ask yourself today, what is my heart condition presently? What has my heart condition been over the last season of life? And what would God have for me? Does that make sense? So we're all going to find ourselves in these four heart conditions. Now, what's important is that this parable of the seed and the sower, we learn in verse 19 that if anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so the seed is the word of God, right? It's God's word. 
And we find that also the same parables told in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel. So the three synoptic gospels all have the same parable, right? So it's the seed is the word and the heart has these different conditions to which the word can interact. So this presupposes that somebody is hearing the word of God. Now, I think what's important about this is that you have to realize that some 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke, he was living in what we would call Israel. And even though Israel was under the authority of Rome, they were still allowed to worship God as they understood. So the culture that Jesus spoke into was a word-saturated culture. They would go to the temple. That was the center of their lives. They would go to the synagogue, which was the center of their social interactions within their community. So they were always under the word of God. But we don't live in a day and age that is word saturated. So really the only place you're going to get the word is either in church or through the ministry of the church that they make available online. Now, there are people in our community, in our world, who never hear the word of God. So this parable doesn't actually exist in 21st century American culture unless somebody avails themselves to it. And that's a huge thing. So you choosing to invite people to come and hear the word now puts them in the context of this parable. But you can make it through your entire life in 21st century America and not hear the word of God at all. At all. Shocking. But in Jesus' day, they were surrounded by the word of God. Now, to get to the four heart conditions, I want you to notice first, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Now, the idea of the wayside would be a place where the soil has been trampled down by many people walking on it. And so this seed, instead of going into the soil, it sits on the surface. So the first of the four heart conditions is what we can call a hard heart. That through repeated tramplings, the word doesn't get in. It sits on the surface. And because it sits on the surface, the birds of the air can come and take that seed and eat it as their own because the soil is not prepared at all to receive the word. Now, all through the Bible, it says that God wants to replace a hard heart with a heart of flesh. So what you learn is that if you live in this world long enough, enough things go on that your heart gets trampled down. And the problem with a hard heart is that God's word that God wants to place in your heart is not allowed to take any root to grow at all. Are you here today struggling with hardness of hearts? What I've learned is that if you've lived any length of time, we have areas in our heart that are hard. Some of our hearts are just super hard. But we've been all been hurt. We live in a broken world. So the problem with the hard heart is that the word of God can't get in at all. It sits not even in the soil. It's on top. And God wants to do a work if that's your heart condition. Now, you'll notice the second one in verse 20. But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Verse 21. Yet he has no root in himself and endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises. Because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This is what you can call the shallow heart. So this isn't a completely hard heart. This is a heart that has lots of stones within it. 
And so when the word, it does make it in there, but because the, it gets in there, because of the presence of all of these rocks, it's not a rootedness. It's a, there's a shallowness to how deep the roots can go. And then right as something comes up that is not easy or beautiful, or in some cases, something downright demonic, they fall away. See, we see this very commonly within the church when someone's got something going on in their life and things are in crisis mode and they come to Christ and God does an amazing work, but then they have a stony heart. And so what happens is it never really takes root. And right as someone gives them a hard time, I can't believe you go to church or I can't believe you're a believer in Jesus or I can't believe you don't want to do those things anymore. Right as that pressure comes in, they fall away because it's a heart condition that's shallow. Because what God is interested in is he's interested in the seed taking root, right? But the rocks now hinder the ability of the seed to really have its perfect work. Now, is that you today? Where you're not totally hard-hearted, but there's areas that you're like, man, that's, I'm pretty superficial there. It's really shallow. The third type of heart condition In verse 22, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulnesses of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. You can call this the worldly heart. So what you have here now is you have the heart is prepared and fruit starts growing. But what happens is, is that the worldly cares and the deceitfulness of riches. Now there's thorns that grow on up and it chokes the word out so that the word can't really blossom, right? So the condition is a place of worldliness. Not that the cares aren't real or that your finances aren't important, but when they're more important than being fruitful in the things of God, you have a problem. So it's a priority problem. The most important things don't get first place. And because of it, it starts to choke out the word. And then the fourth and final, of course, in verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and he understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. This is the fruitful heart. This is the heart that is unencumbered by hardness, right? Or shallowness, or worldliness, and that is a heart that when the word of God gets in, now all of a sudden that seed takes root and fruitfulness happens, and we have this fruitfulness in different degrees, hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. But the idea is what God is really interested in is fruitfulness in our hearts. That when God's word goes in, it can bear fruit. Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you what? Bear much fruit. So for each one of us, I think what's super important is that we learn how to be able to diagnose the condition of our hearts. And listen, your experience of Jesus is your experience because it's filtered through your heart, the control center of your life. And so today you're saying to yourself, my heart condition is not completely fruitful God knows that, and there's no judgment for that. God just wants you to turn to him and say, Lord, will you break up the hardness in my heart? Or God, will you remove the rocks from my heart so my faith isn't shallow? Or Lord, will you remove the thorniness or the worldliness from my heart that it won't choke out what you want to do? 
See, what's beautiful about this, and I think what's so challenging for us in our day and age, is that what this means is you have to be honest with yourself. See, our culture loves to blame. And listen, the world is broken. So there's lots of blame to go around. But the Bible always points us back to the only person that you are truly responsible. And who is that? You. You're responsible for you. And we spend so much time feeling responsible for everybody else that we neglect the fact that the condition of your heart is based on your tending to your own heart, not somebody else. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of us have experienced the most horrible things. But what's amazing, sometimes you meet someone who's experienced a horrible thing and they have joy unspeakable despite their circumstances and other people are super bitter. What's the difference? I mean, I met somebody and they're like, they were born with all these things, all these things had gone on, horrible things. And they're like, look, I have two choices. I can either mail in the life that I have, or I can live the life that I have. I was like, "Mm, preach it, you know? And that's the thing. It's like your response. So the playing field of your life in Christ is your own heart. Does that make sense? And we have to learn how to diagnose where's my heart right now. Here's the thing. For many people who've been in Christ a long time, because they've been in the church a long time, they think that they're the fruitful heart, but they're not. They just think that. Because it's so much easier to assume, I've been in church for 30 years, so of course my heart's fruitful. No, maybe not. Maybe you're just worldly or shallow. But we have to say, Holy Spirit, will you search my heart? And let me be real about where I am. And maybe the best way to know where your heart is really is to ask the people who are closest to you. Say, I want you to give me the real deal about who I am and where I'm at. And don't get mad at them for the answer. Because we have to make sure God wants our lives to be fruitful. And your life could have been fruitful a while ago and it's not fruitful now. Maybe you're living off the fruitfulness of another season. But God wants us to be forever fruitful. He wants to be doing a fresh work in all of our lives at all times. And listen, you guys know this. I'm not preaching down on anybody. I get the pleasure of letting this stuff dissect and diagnose my heart every day. And it's not pretty in there. That's why I believe in Jesus. That's why I'm grateful for God's grace. So I'm not preaching down. I'm having to deal with my own life and and my own condition of my heart. But that is the narrow gate. Jesus is the narrow gate. He leads us on this difficult way that few find, but it leads to life. So the playing field first is the four conditions of your heart. Now, we have three directions for living. Three directions for living. So we got the four, now we're on the three. Three directions for living. Now, in order to get the three directions for living, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. So turn a couple pages to the right in your Bibles, Matthew 22. And you guys know this. You're going to hear this. You're going to be like, oh, I know this. They asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. And what did Jesus answer? Picking up his answer in verse 37 of Matthew 22, it says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, what are our three directions for living? Upward, inward, and outward. That's right. It was such so important to me because it was so important to Jesus that I wrote a book on it. 
And the reason this is the playing field is when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's living upward, right? And then loving your neighbor, that's living outward as yourself, which is inward. So what's beautiful here is that each one of us are always living in these three directions, upward, inward, and outward. As I wrote the book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, based on the greatest commandment, I really wrote the book for me and for us as a church family. Because literally, the ministry that God has called us to, we're doing it together. And so I started looking at my life. I started looking at the life of Crossroads. And I started thinking about if this is the most important thing that we really need to focus on it, our upward focus is prayer. Right? We're focusing on prayer. Because prayer satisfies our need for connection. God wants all of us to be people of prayer. He wants your life to be a prayer-drenched life. He wants the people of God as we get together. He wants his house to be called a house of prayer. And so you grow upward in a way by through your prayer life. Now, inward, we're focusing on fasting. So fasting satisfies our personal need for self-control, right? And you realize that when you lack self-control, your relationship with yourself gets all jacked up. And many of us know what it's like. We've had these addictive behaviors, life habits that lack self-control, and it totally jacks up the way you see yourself. And so fasting is a way to nurture a healthy and holy biblical self-love. So we have prayer and fasting, which is upward and inward. And then outward, we're focusing on generosity, which satisfies our inherent need for compassion Right? The world needs the people of God to be generous with their lives because God is the most generous person who ever lived. You realize that, right? When it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's not like a God loved the world so he gave like the leftovers of the leftovers. It's like he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son. When you look back at that story of Abraham, he had been waiting for all these years for his son Isaac, and then God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And we were all like, what? Now, ultimately, he didn't want Isaac as a sacrifice. He wanted Abraham to trust him. But it's a picture of a greater sacrifice, of a greater son, by a greater father for a greater reason. And so when we believe that Jesus was sacrificed on a cross for us, That makes God the most generous person who ever lived. And if God is transforming our lives, my friends, what that means is he's going to make us more generous than we want to be. See, the reason generosity is so important is because you and I live in a scarcity mindset and economy. We live in a world that says there's never enough. There's never enough. But that is a worldview that is driven by the fact that they don't believe in God. See, the reason God says you can give of your first fruits is because God knows he's going to provide. So God's abundance economy in the things of his kingdom run contrary to our scarcity economy on the things of this earth. And that's why generosity is so challenging. I mean, we live in the Northwest. We live in a commitment-phobic society. Let's be honest. We want everyone to sign up for something. Nobody signs up until the last minute. Why? You want to make sure you don't get pinned down if something better comes along. Isn't it true? I did ministry in New Jersey. You do a sign-up sheet there, sign up right away. They know that. Because you know what? In New Jersey, if you sign up right away, you know you're in. And if the thing runs out of spaces, you're in. 
Here, what's amazing is here, people, they don't sign up. And then when they, we shut it down because we have too many people, then they get mad at us. It's our fault. I mean, I know the things today, but I should be there. It's like, well, no, we've been telling you about this for two months. But the thing is, is listen, if you walk with Jesus, you will be more generous than you've ever been in your life. And not just with finances, with your time, with your talent, with your ability to care about other people at the expense of yourself. See, generosity at its most basic core involves self-sacrifice, which is not what we do outside of Jesus. But our salvation is rooted in Jesus giving his life for us. And he says, and if I've done this for you, you should go do it for other people. So generosity is important. And then, of course, the second outward discipline that we're focusing on is the idea of groups or community, which satisfies our need for relationships. Every moment of your life, God is inviting you to cultivate living upward, inward, and outward. It's the greatest commandment. And we love in these three directions. We don't just live in three directions. We're called to love self-sacrificially, upward, inward, and outward. And so we have these three focuses, prayer and fasting, generosity, and groups. Next, we have two realities. There's two realities that we live with here as a church family. And you guys have heard this here a million times. I just wanted to remind everybody. The first reality is that life is what? Messy. And the second reality is Jesus is what? Real. That's right. That's two realities that all of us live with every single day. That one, life is messy. And two, Jesus is real. Now, the reason we say this is because there was a lie that floats around the church in general all the time is that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory, peachy keen. You put your faith and trust in Jesus, everything's going to go perfectly, right? And guess what happens? And someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, and then everything gets messy, and they're like, I thought if I was in Jesus, everything was going to get perfect. I was going to get the car I wanted. I was going to lose 40 pounds on the day I said yes to Jesus. My bank account was going to be full, and everyone was going to think I was awesome. And I was going to have a banging YouTube channel with 25,000 million people watching all my videos. Right? And then that's the plan. I put my face in front, Jesus, I love you. And then the weight doesn't come off, and some people don't think you're awesome, and your videos are still not being watched by people, and you think there's something wrong with Jesus. Listen, the context for your life is that life's going to be messy. Everything about the Bible after Genesis chapter 3 is God showing himself to be real in the midst of a messy world. So health problems happen. Financial problems happen. Relational problems happen. Your five-year plan doesn't always happen. That's real. But God is not to be divorced from the messes of life. God reigns supreme in the messes of life, bringing beautiful things out of hard things. That's why Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What he's saying is that you should expect things to get messy here, but it's okay, because I am moving in and through the messes of life. Jesus is Thank you for joining us for today's message with Pastor Daniel. Today, Pastor Daniel gave you some questions to ask yourself as you continue through your day. First, what is your heart condition presently? Then, what has your heart condition been over the last season of life? 
And finally, what would God have for you moving forward? As you consider the four heart conditions, ask God to move you to a fruitful heart. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel took a deep dive into the Christian life. What is it that drives you? Have you allowed the Spirit to take that position in your life? And what is the condition of your heart today? Are you like the good soil, accepting the Word and allowing it to grow fruit in your life? We've come to the end of the deeper series, but come back next time as Pastor Daniel shows you the beautiful life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.